Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Brad. And some of you are wondering, like, that's not the guy we expected up there. Well, uh, don't worry. Jeff will be back next week. Make sure you come back for that new series we're starting up. It's going to be awesome. And don't want to miss that. But you know, we had an incredible Christmas time this past, this past week. And some of us maybe are still recovering from it. Some of us are like, Christmas? That was like so last week. We have New Year's plans now we got to talk about, right? And that's what we're thinking about. But whatever it is today, thanks for being here. Like I said, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And I spend most of my time working with um, people from college students the whole way down until birth. So I mean, those are my worlds. And that's the people who I love the most. But I get to be here today. And so I'm really excited. I want to warn you, I'll work hard to try to govern the speed in which, which I talk today. Um, but people have been trying for the last 43 years to get me to settle down and to talk quiet, to talk slower. And it hasn't worked. I'm sorry. So um, I'm going to do the best that I can. But you know, here at 45, you know, it's been, it, we're excited about being today. So I'm excited about everyone who's here. Thanks for coming. Those of you who just came back for the first time since the Christmas service, thanks for being here. I really would encourage you just to continue to dive in. Like Nate said, check out those discovery groups. That's going to be the best way to find out who we are as a church. But most importantly, what we're going to talk about today is Jesus. We've been talking about the firstborn for the last five weeks, and it has been incredible. It's been incredible to look at the splendor of the firstborn. So when we use the term firstborn that Paul used, he talks about it's a, it's a position of authority. It's supremacy. We know in John that the Bible refers to Jesus as God. He has all the power, all the authority in the world. You know, by him, all things were created that were created. Even you and me. By his power, he holds all things together. And then we talked last week about because of what he did, we have the opportunity to have new life. Right? The old is gone. The new has come if we choose to follow him. We talk about how Jesus was born and that, you know, whatever you look at, whatever a manger would have looked like or whatever a stable would have looked like back in the day, whatever it was, we know it's a lot lower than the kingdom where he's from, right? Than the throne room, right? And he came down and he came into our world for you and for me. So today what we're going to talk about is, well, what do we do with that? And so I'm, I'm really excited. So I just want to kind of dive right in. So if you have a Bible, we're going to turn to the book of Colossians and continue hearing from the words of Paul, who met Jesus in an incredible way. And you can find out about that in the book of Acts. But in Colossians is where we're going to go today. So if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. We'll stop, be there for a second, and then we'll flip a page over, and we'll land in, in um, Colossians 3. But if you don't have a Bible, underneath a chair in front of you, or one of them in front of you, there should be a Bible in there. It's a, a black one there. Pull that out, and you can have that now. Just write your name in there. So we know that's no longer the property of Grace Church, but it's yours. And take it. And I encourage you to read that. You know, spend time in there because in the Bible, you'll find who God is and you'll understand who he is. And it's the best way that he has to communicate with us and to speak to us. So I'd encourage you to do that. But if you turn in there, it's page 821. Well, I'm in that Bible. So let's, let's dive right in here. In Colossians chapter one, look what Paul writes here. So think about the, who the firstborn is and think about how awesome he is and how, how great he is. But he says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether the things on earth or things in heaven. That sounds nice. That's good. Let's go to the next one. He says, by making peace through his blood. Okay, now it's getting a little bit weird, but a little different maybe. But he said, he re to reconcile all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you, so think about yourself right there. Put your name, not actually your name, but your name in where it says you there. Once, Brad, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your, of your evil behavior. All of us have this in common. At one point, all of us were enemies of God based on our behavior, 
based on our minds and based on our selfishness and based on who we are. He says, when we were alienated from him, we were separated from him. And if the story just ended there, it's dark, but it keeps going. But now, anytime there's a but like that in the Bible, it's awesome, right? But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Reconciled means he made us back together with him. He took us from being those alienated. He took us from being enemies to now we're family and friends, all right? With the most high God through the death to present to you, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Listen, I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you did. I don't care what you did last summer, what you did last year, what you did three years ago. No matter who you are, I don't care where you're from or what um, the way you grew up. All of us were enemies of God. But God, by his great power, had the opportunity to reconcile us because of what Jesus did. Jesus being born in those humble circumstances, growing up and maturing in stature, as the Bible says. And in his 30s then, walking the hill up to the cross, being crucified, allowing himself to be crucified by his death, paying the way for us to be forgiven for our sins. So that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But it didn't end there. So three days, they took him down from the cross and put him in the grave for three days. He was in there for three days and then boom, on the third day, by his own power, that stone rolled back. He stepped up. He's like, well, anyway, here we go. He conquered the grave, which is amazing. That's what the firstborn has done. The one with all the power in the world for you and for me stepped into our land, into our dirt, and got messy with us. And and then he died for us so that we could be presented holy in his sight. If you're a follower of Jesus today, he doesn't look at you as some mess up who's looking for second chances. He knows you sinned. He knows what you've done. He knows you were his enemy, but now you're his family. And he looks at you as holy and without accusation against you anymore. And so Paul writes all these things and he's describing this firstborn, how great he is. And so for all of us today, we're thinking, okay, that's awesome. We think about the splendor of God, how he came near to us and all that stuff. But now what do we do? It's the end of 2018. What do we do? How do I change? What am I supposed to do with all of this information? I agree that Jesus is great. Okay. And maybe if you're not there yet, I encourage you to keep searching him out. Keep seeking him out. But then what do we do? Well, Paul goes on to write in Colossians chapter 3. So flip over to Colossians chapter 3 and look what he writes here. He says, since, since then you have been raised with Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you said, I want to follow you, Jesus. Come into my life. Wipe away the garbage that's in there. Instead of me pursuing my own path, I want to focus my heart on you. Save me, Lord, whatever it is. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Here's what you're supposed to do. If we grasp these next couple sentences here, it will change everything about you. Aren't you kind of tired sometimes just doing the same old, same old? Being the same old, same old. Life, I mean, it's like thinking there's got to be more to life than this. Or maybe the frustration that comes. I'm, I'm trying my best to do the right thing. No matter what I do, I can't make my family happy. Or no matter what I do, I can't figure out what God's purpose is for my life or what I'm supposed to do. What on earth am I here for? Help me. Well, today, this is going to be the answer for you if you'll do it. He says, set your heart on things above since where Christ is. Oh, sorry, I moved too far. Since then, you have been, oh, I keep, I'm just having fun with this thing, this little toy. It's great. Um, don't give me electronics and I do this. Okay, seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Since then, because of what Jesus has done, 
A lot of times when we approach our relationship with God or we look at our lives thinking, well, what can I get out of this? Well, he doesn't say, well, since, you know, you've gave a real good effort, set your mind on, earthly, on heavenly things, not earthly things. Or since, you know, you're special and someone out there really loves you, set your mind on heavenly things. No, he doesn't say that. Since because what Jesus did, because how the great love God has for you, he entered into the world for you. You know, this God, this Jesus who created all things, crafted you how he wants you to be, fearfully and wonderfully. And he gave incredible purpose for you. Because of Jesus, he says, set your mind on things above, not on things below. Don't get caught up look, focusing on earthly things. So what does that look like? Well, I grew up um, in the woods of Pennsylvania, okay? A little coal mining town called Nantiglo, Pennsylvania. Population about 2,500 right now, okay? It was big time, okay? Well, I grew up, and my dad and I spent a lot of time in the woods growing up. We used to hunt, fish, do all those things. Whatever it was, we'd find ourselves in the woods. And when we'd go in the woods, we'd always have a pack. You know, even when I go out with my dad in the woods today, he still has a nice pack um, set aside for me, all with all of my gear that I need in there. What's in there? So, you know, if you have a pack when you're going out on a hike or spending time in the woods, you've got stuff you need in there, like snacks. I love snacks. And some of you are thinking, man, I wish I had some snacks right now. There's cookies out there. They're still available. It's good. You know, you're thinking, man, I love snacks. And I loved having snacks. Because what's better than getting out there in the woods and maybe the leaves are changing colors and you're sitting out there and you're eating like a peanut butter cracker or something like that. That was awesome. And then maybe you had some matches in there in case you needed to start a fire, a little survival kit kind of thing. Maybe you had some rope in there or whatever you need. Maybe you had a knife. You know, a knife's always good for cutting stuff. You know, maybe you want to be blood brothers or something. I don't know. But you have a knife in there. It's but always in there then is a compass. You guys know what a compass is? Yeah, some of us do. Yeah, you need to get out a little bit more. It's okay. Well, who needs them anymore with the iPhone, right? But anyway, in fact, on your phone, there's even a compass on your phone. You can pull it up even right now. And look, there's a compass. It'll work right on your phone. You just swipe over from Instagram. It doesn't matter how many likes you got in that picture anyway. Just move over and you can, you can pull it up even right now. And you'll see north is, I think, like that way, okay? So the thing about a compass is if it's working, it always points North, right, okay, good. I'm sorry, I didn't lead you along good enough. Okay, it always points to the north. And what the compass is used for is to orient you in such a way so that you always know where you are and so you always know how to not be lost, how to find your way home or how to know which way to go. Whatever way it is that you're focused, the compass points north. And so what Paul's saying here is to set your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things. What he's telling you to do is to position your life in such a way where you're always thinking, about him. Position your heart in such a way where you're always driven by him. That feels impossible, doesn't it? But God, he says, since Jesus, the firstborn, has made you new, since Jesus, the firstborn, has made you holy and without blemish and without accusation, fix your eyes, set your heart on things above, not on things on, on the earth. Don't get caught up focusing on things that don't matter. Set your minds on things above. Our minds are tricky, aren't they? Because right now you're trying to pay attention, but then you think, did Nate say Chipotle earlier? I wonder if we have time to get to Chipotle. Is that good enough for dinner? You know, I have family in town. Is that good enough? And then you start thinking like, oh, I wonder if any friends will ask me to lunch later. Huh. And maybe even when you're singing that song, we're singing, what a beautiful name it is. Isn't that a powerful song? That's awesome. The band's incredible. I love all the smiles. They're incredible people. You start, you're like, I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. And you're like, 
What time does that football game start today? Oh, I shouldn't think about that. I'm in church. I'm in church. I can't think about football right now. You know, I guess I could just look on my phone, but how do I do that while the song's going? You know, our mind's tricky, right? It's always taking us back. And what Paul's saying, he's like, set your mind on heavenly things. Position yourself in such a way where that's all you think about because of what Jesus has done. Because Paul knows that only in there will you find the life that you're really living for. Only in there, only in Jesus will you find your identity. Some of us wonder, who, who are we? We're still trying to search that out. Some of us young adults in here, 30 years old, still trying to figure out who we are. That's okay. I'm telling you, when you set your mind on things above, you find your identity in Jesus Christ. Some of us are thinking, what on the earth am I here for? What is my passion? What is my job? What am I supposed to do? What is my calling? If your mind is focused on earthly things, you're not going to find what you're made for. But man, when you set your mind on, on heavenly things and you fix your heart on God, he begins to change you from the inside out. And so then Paul goes and, goes and shows us two different things we should do to help us to get there. So let's keep reading in Colossians chapter three. This first one's going to be a little bit ugly. I'm not going to lie. Okay, but we'll get through it. Okay, the, the, the pretty part's on the second side. Here we go. He says, put to death. Ooh, because it doesn't just say, you know, hey, try, try this. Try going without this. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Whatever feels natural to you, he says, put that to death. The reason why this feels so impossible is because what God is asking us to do by setting our mind on things above goes against all of our natural inclinations. Let's look at what he says. So put to death whatever belongs to your, natural, um, to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality. Okay. Well, got dark quick. Okay. Impurity. I mean, it's only 11.15 in the morning, right? Lust. Evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. I'm guessing not too many of us got this on their mug for Christmas. You know, you got your, you know, you know like me, you got your razors, you know, for a nice haircut, you know, got your new socks, got your coffee mug that says sexual immorality is a no. You know, and you turn it up and see impurity on the bottom. You know, it's like, woo, got to get me some of that. Nobody did that. You know, when your family got together, got your nice Christmas sweaters on, you want to be matching, it's going to be awesome. None of us have got greedy on them, right? You know, liar. Thank goodness for Christmas. This is the time where I could show the lying side of myself. No, he says, put those things to death. These aren't things we want to be anyway. I don't think any of us are leading off in conversations with that. Any of these, right? Hey, I'm Brad. I just want to let you know I have a lot of evil desires. I do. Just want to let you know, just so we're getting that out there. You know, dads, your daughter brings home that guy from college. Whew, okay, here we go. First time. Hey, dad, I want you to meet this guy. He's the most sexually immoral guy I've ever met. <laughs> You're going to love him. Dad's thinking, I'm going to kill him. Don't you get near my baby. That's my little girl, right? Some of you are thinking, it's like, you know, you're, you're a boss and you have employees and you look at your staff at Christmas time at your Christmas party and say, man, I love this group of liars. You know, my staff, they lie better than everybody else. And man, they're such hard workers. I mean, at least I think they are. They tell me they're hard workers, but they're liars too. So I'm not sure how that all, maybe they're lying to me. I don't know. Greed, right? How many of us at Christmas time wanted to make sure we got our family pictures? You know, when we're all getting greedy about wanting more presents. You know, when your child says, is that all there is, dad? Is that it? You know, we're, that's when we want to get that picture, that greedy side of our kid. Like some of you have children in our, in our um, children's program right now. When you want your four-year-old to be known as the one who doesn't share, I mean, that's what you're aiming for, right? He says, no, put those things to death because these things are all natural. 
They're so enticing to our mind. Our world has a huge problem with pornography, right? It's everywhere. It's enticing to our mind, but man, it's destructive to our soul. It leaves us hopeless. Our world is always about getting more, getting more, getting more. Our world is always, but he, you know, it doesn't stop here. This list now gets personal. He goes on those things. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Ooh. Anytime you hear wrath, you know you're in church. I mean, I'm sorry. No, you, it's never fun to think about. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. He says, he says, but look here. He says, you used to walk in these ways. Remember, you used to do those things. I have a feeling some of us, when we look back in our lives, we have this nostalgia look to our life. We're like, oh, times were so much more fun back then. Some of us in here actually think the college days were the best years of our life. Young people, if someone tells you that, it's a lie. It's a lie. Man, I'll tell you what, that's not the only thing that God has made you for. But we look back and we think, you know, those are great times. But there is a reason why we stop some of those behaviors. But Paul's like, listen, because what the firstborn has done, you're, my, you're a Christ follower, you chose to follow him. He says, you used to live like this. That's not who you are anymore. Remember, you're holy and you're, blame, and you're blameless now. Well, he knows you're imperfect, but that's why Jesus gives us forgiveness. But remember, you're different now. That's how you used to live. Those things always come back to get you. Sexual immorality is always going to catch up to you. Lying. You can't run from the consequences. Greed will always get you. And this, but he keeps going. He says, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes you just, you get really fired up sometimes. You get really angry. It kind of feels good to let loose for a minute, right? But that's not how you're, that's not how you're supposed to live. Rage. Who wants to be known? Man, that guy right there, he rages a lot. It might be funny for a second. You'll be a great Instagram video. But most of the time, let's, like, let's run and hide, Right? Malice, slander, and filthy language from lips. Do not lie to each other. All of these things that Paul's saying, he's like, get rid of them. Put those to death. Why? Because they're not who you are anymore. Remember, you know the consequences of these things. And sometimes the consequences aren't always getting caught, right? It's not always like the major thing where, oh man, I can't believe it. My whole family's gone now because I'm greedy. Sometimes it's not even that bad. But sometimes earthly things that we need to put to death are those feelings you had at Christmas time. You have all these expectations, how your family is going to just make you feel so great at Christmas time. Man, if I could just have the perfect family moment, oh, Christmas will be great. You have your fire roaring. You know, it feels good. You got the coffee with the right kind of creamers. You know which ones they like. It's with almond milk and something else because they read something somewhere. And they're all excited about that. And you don't care about it, but you have the right cookies for your kids. You're so excited. And it all comes together. And you're like, this, my family, you're in your side, you're thinking, this is going to make me feel so great. My family enjoys all this. Well, then they show up. And you don't even know what happened. But somehow now there's drama. And now everybody's fighting. And now one's not talking to the other one. Or they're just kind of giving you the cold treatment. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right? Whatever it is. And it's like, oh, and the whole time you're building yourself up, you're thinking, I just want my family to make me feel better. If I could just have the perfect family picture at Christmas time, you know, if I could just get all my kids in khakis, they'd look wonderful. They're khaki kind of, maybe they're not khaki people, but I want them to be for this picture. If we get them all to jump at this, oh, never mind, that's a beach picture. But whatever it is, if we could just make everything perfect, look great, then maybe. 
When I put that on my Instagram, maybe people will want what I have. It's what Paul's saying is put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. That's natural thinking. Think about the comparison that you have when you surf your social media. You know, if you're over 30, maybe it's Facebook. Um, if you're younger, maybe it's Instagram, whatever it is. Maybe, but some of you are like, I'm, not, I'm over 30 and I love Instagram. It's my favorite. Okay, that's great. Your kids don't like that you're on there, but it's fine. Um, but as you look through there, you're like, what, what feelings do you have towards people? Are you serious? They're traveling again? Oh, that must be nice. I mean, some of us, we have to work all the time, you know, and it's like, I've got all this. Well, at least I know I love my kids. I'm with my kids all the time. Oh, they're with their kids traveling and they're all smiling. Oh, I hate my life. Oh, man, it must be nice to be able to go fishing. I'm spending all my time helping people. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm just talking about my own heart here, okay? But whatever it is, as you go on there, you're thinking about these things. Paul's like, put that to death. That's earthly thinking. Remember he said, since Jesus did all of this incredible stuff, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Think about how much trouble has come into your life because you're worried about what other people think. You're worried about what they're saying. You're worried about how you measure up to them. You're worried about what your status is. But think about the freedom we can have with Jesus. So let's put these things to death because let me tell you, these ki- this kind of living and that motivated by self kind of thinking, it leads us to different places. Maybe in some ways it shows us a symptom like us sitting around thinking, you know, there's gotta be more to life than this. Some of us feel like we're just existing and not living. Great, I get to go back to work tomorrow. That's awesome. And another New Year's time. Okay, wonderful. The bowl games stink. I hate watching football. You know, whatever it is. And you just feel like there's got to be more to life. Things that you used to love are boring now. Eh, They just just don't excite you anymore. You feel powerless at times. You guys, some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe this is a younger crowd. But when you get on Netflix, you know that powerless feeling. When it says next episode starts in five, four, I know I should go to bed. I've got school tomorrow. And three episodes later, you're like, I'm a binger. I feel horrible. I'm disgusting. Don't look at me. You know, that's how we feel. Because we feel powerless at times. And we feel empty. We just know that there's got to be something different. We don't feel like we're being true to anybody. Definitely don't feel like we're being true to the Lord. And we don't even feel like we even know who we are. Because we're trying to find out who we are by looking at everywhere else except to the firstborn. Like that compass that always points north, we should be people who are always positioning ourselves to where we're focused on who God is and being blown away by him. So Paul, fortunately, doesn't stop here because that's kind of a boring list, to be honest. It's like, who wants to walk out here today saying, boy, I've been thinking about my anger. That's wonderful. Well, maybe you do, but it's okay. But let's, let's go keep going. I'm a guy who likes to have happy endings. I don't like watching sad movies. So let's go to the happy part here. Okay, he says... Oh, we already talked about it. No, okay, we keep going. About yourself. Okay. He says, therefore, in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, he says, therefore, as God chosen people, he reminds us of who we are. Remember, God picked you. God loves you. You're holy. You're dearly loved. Since Jesus did all of these things, he's reminding you who you are. He said, I told you what to put to death. Now, here's what to put on. Clothe yourselves. Woo, okay. Put on some, some of you got your nice Christmas gear on today. You're like fresh out of the box, feeling good. All right. He says this, clothe yourselves with compassion with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now your daughter brings home that guy from college for the first time. 
It's a big step. Dad, I want you to meet this guy. He is the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Feels a little different than the other one. Dad, this guy, he's so compassionate. He cares about people. Imagine if your boss were, when they were describing you, said, you know what? That person, they're gentle when they approach people. Look what it says. They're humble. They're not worried about who they are all the time. They're not worried about what people think about them all the time. They work hard and they're humble. Clothe yourself with these things. Patience. Patience is a hard one. And we see it best in the car, right? Like around Route 18, Montrose area, you know, on Christmas Eve kind of thing, driving, you're wondering, it's like, why is everybody out here shopping? Don't they know I've got important things to do? I've got some shopping to do. <laughs> you know, why do they wait till last minute? I hate all these people are such last minute shoppers while you're standing in line with them. You know, and that person, you know, some of you when you're driving, I love this guy when they're driving. They have a lot of patience. They have to speed by you and pass you real quick and they do it. And then you pull up the traffic light and you're right beside them again. And then they go and they weave through traffic and all that stuff. And then you come up and it's like, oh, hey, red light again. Hello, still with you. You know, they're the ones like right on your tail all the time. You're standing in line. You're thinking, why won't this line go faster? Oh, you're miserable and you're complaining. It's like, why are we in such a hurry all the time? So when I go with my family to the beach every summer, so I take my four boys and my wife, we go down. It's great with our family. We have a lot of fun. But I find myself the first day at the beach. Hurry up, kids. We got to go. Let's go. Let's get out to the beach so we can go out there and rest and relax and vacation. You know, I'm impatient with them. I'm like getting mad at my kids because they're not going quite at the speed that I want them to go so that we can hurry up and go out there and sit. I'm like, man, you are such a sinful person. Well, Paul is like saying, put on these things. Put on different things. When I look at this list, what I see in this is freedom. Look when he keeps going here. He says, bear with each other. Instead of just putting up with each other, like, oh, whew, I'll suck it up. I'll have to deal with them. No, understand that people are imperfect just like you are. And they don't have it all figured out either. And maybe they're right sometimes. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Keeps going. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So when you think about the freedoms that you would have, imagine if we really lived these things out. Imagine if we really started putting on these characteristics, got rid of the old junk and started putting on these things, becoming holy, dearly loved, clothe ourselves with compassion. Imagine the freedom that comes with compassion. I'm not talking about 4th of July freedom, red, white, and blue, you know, hot dogs kind of freedom. I'm talking about freedom in your soul. Imagine if we really were compassionate towards others, the freedom that we would feel in that. No, we would know, knowing that our lives are about something other than just thinking, how can I step on people to get what I want, but actually caring about others and their needs. Imagine if we start looking like Jesus when it came to kindness. How different our family times would be. The freedom that you would have where you'd be able to walk around not worrying about if that person saw you do something or what they heard that you did. But when they saw you coming, they thought, no matter what, whether I believe what they believe or not, I know they're going to be kind to me. I've never heard them say a bad thing about anybody. 
You know how much freedom is in there? You're not worried about what do they know that I did? Where did they, did they see me? Imagine the freedom that comes with humility. Think about how much of our life is spent comparing ourselves to other people. What if we were humble people where we started thinking about ourselves less and started thinking about who Jesus is and being blown away by his splendor and his majesty and look at his picture of humility. Gave it, he had it all. If he chose not to hold on to those things so that he could humble himself and become a servant. The Son of Man didn't come into this world to be served, but to serve and to give his life. You talk about humility? So that we could have the opportunity for freedom. Imagine the freedom we would have if we started living like that with people. We stopped worrying about our brand or what people think about us. We stop feeling, we stop worrying about having to defend ourselves for everything we do all the time. Like, oh, you know, I mean, I want to make sure everybody knows that, you know, my church is the best, or this is the best, or this. We wouldn't have to worry about those things. We're not always thinking about how can I keep moving my way and getting that person so people like me the way that they like that person. We'd stop thinking all the time about ourselves. Because what happens when we start comparing ourselves, it starts changing the way we feel inside. Think about what drives your insecurities. You all have them. I have them. What drives those things? Is it because it's like, I just feel like I don't love Jesus enough? It's usually because you see something that someone else has and you want it, whether the behavior or whatever it is, and you want that different. Imagine if we would become people who actually put on love. If we, as Jesus' followers, looked like little Christ in our world, where when people saw us, they said, man, those people act just like Jesus. Imagine the way we treat our, our neighbors differently. If we put on love, which holds all of them together, together, we wouldn't have time to worry about where people are from or what their race is or origin. We'd celebrate differently. We'd enjoy being together with people. We would love each other because everybody's created in God's image and everybody has worth. We'd stop being so judgmental on people. We'd still want to seek to be who Jesus is, but man, we would try to start, and that doesn't mean everybody's going to like us or accept us, but man, we're going to love them. We'd stop treating people the way we want to treat them so we can get something from them. We'd stop building up our expectations and asking people to fulfill the needs that only God can do. God, Jesus summed up the whole Bible in two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Your heart, your passions, everything devoted towards God. Set your mind on things above. Don't get caught up worrying about earthly things. And he said, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. What if we, as a church, if people, we started loving that way? So what we do, though, so we'll hear something like this. And if you're like me at all, you'll think, you know what? I agree. I need to change. I agree. There are some things in my life that I don't like. So I'm going to make some resolutions. I'm going to change myself. That lusting problem, 
will be gone in 2019. 2019 will be the year with no greed. You know, we're going to try harder. I'm going to work hard at this. I got this. I mean, I'm an American man who can do things. So I, I worked my way through this. I can handle this. So I'm going to do it. So our temptation is to try harder to be like Jesus on our own. So we're saying, okay, I'm going to work really hard at being kind. I'm going to be nice to everybody. I'm going to smile every time that someone opens the door for me and I'll say thank you. And I'm going to be really nice when I go to the store. I might even talk about God and just say, hey, Merry Christmas, whatever I need to say. I'm going to be kind. When I'm in the house, I'm going to give up my seat. I'm going to do it all. This is going to be the year of kindness. It's going to be awesome. But what happens is you, you do it. You start being kinder. This is great. It looks like it's working. But then you start walking around. If it's not because of Jesus, guess what? If it's by your own effort, you start getting bothered because people aren't noticing how kind you are. Don't these people understand how fortunate they are to know me? There's a lot of mean people in this world. I'm a nice one. Don't they understand how important people like me are? I'm kind. I wish that people would recognize me more. What happens is we might get the kindness thing down, start being kind, but we lost the humility war. So you think, oh, I got to start being humble. Man, okay, I'm, you know what? Now I'm, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to focus on being humble instead. I'm going to stop, stop thinking so much about myself. I'm going to start looking for other things. The best way to be humble is probably to serve other people. So I'm going to start serving people. So you do it on your own effort. In fact, my whole family, this, in fact, this is going to be the Christmas of serving. We're going to go and serve all together. And we'll make sure we get pictures taken so we can put them on social media. Because if you don't post it, I'm not sure it really happened. Okay, so we're like, we're going to do it, okay? So we're going to serve. And so you start serving people because you want to be humble. But then you don't, then you realize it's like, people aren't giving me any respect because I served. No one's even noticing my service. In fact, I do this every week. And does anybody see it? Oh, man, these people are so ungrateful. You're serving. You're, you start becoming, it starts working against you. You start, because guess what? It's not natural for us to live the life that God calls us to live. We cannot help but to focus on earthly things. Thank goodness it's not up to us. And that's why Paul says, since then, because what Jesus did, because of who Jesus is, do these things. But he knows it's only by Jesus' power can you actually do them. So if there's things on this list you see, man, there's things I need to change. The answer isn't to get an um, you know, accountability partner. That could help a little bit. The answer isn't to get a rubber band and put it around your wrist and just smack it a little bit more every time you do something, you know, whatever. The answer isn't even just a journal. The answer is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because as we fix our eyes on Jesus and our hearts on Jesus, we begin to slowly change. Because the old is gone. You're not that person anymore if you're a follower of Jesus. You have the power of God living within you. Your shift of your focus begins to shift your heart and change you. So as you begin to focus your hearts on Jesus more and more, you start becoming less angry. And you start becoming more passionate. And as you continue to walk with Jesus closer and closer, and if you need to knee with him and falling in love with him in a deep level and spending your time and focusing on him, looking at him and letting him permeate all the areas of your life, you stop becoming so arrogant. And you start becoming having a heart where you want to serve and help people. You start 
getting rid of lust. We're always looking at people and objectifying them in lustful ways or even things or objects. And you start becoming a person who loves. You start becoming like Jesus. And when we become like Jesus, the world begins to see their need for hope. And some people's lives will forever be changed. But it's not because of how great we are or because of our great work ethic. There's a place for discipline in all of those things. But it needs to be driven by his power. So what do you do? So if you're a Christian today, a Christ follower, someone said, you want, I follow Jesus. And right now in your walk with God, you're feeling bored. I would encourage you to focus your hearts on him. It's kind of like back in the day where some of us fell in love. Anybody here fall in love before? And somebody might be sad, you might be really sad that you didn't raise your hand. Or maybe they're hopeful that you did raise your hand. I remember falling in love, well, it was a long time ago now, back when the phones still had cords on them. They were shaped like a half of a jelly bean. You know, all those things on the wall, you know, and you'd call each other. You, lo- you really cared about them, but you wanted to make sure you weren't spending too much money, so you'd call them at night because it was cheaper or on the weekends. You know, you actually wrote notes, like real notes. Oh, I remember those times you'd sit date time. Oh, man, TGI Fridays or whatever it was back in the day. You'd sit there. You know, anyway. Anyway, you sit there. You get eyeball to eyeball. There was no cell phone to put up on the table. Nobody to text. No scores to follow up on. You're just there enamored with that person. Whew, that feels so nice. And some of you aren't there yet. It's okay. Maybe you will be someday. I don't know. But anyway, I remember those days. Now, falling in love with Jesus and loving him and fixing our heart, it's not this romantic type thing. But there still are some principles in there. It's being blown away by who he is and then allowing him to change us from the inside out. So when I was dating, I still had to show up. I still had to discipline myself to be engaged, you know, in my mind, in conversation. But man, when you're all in there, it would change you. But that would, that's just romance. That's just something, something so minimal, minimal compared to God. So I'd encourage you, if you're a Christian, if Christ follower and said, you know what, I'm just bored. The answer isn't to going to more church services. The answer is going back to fixing your hearts on Jesus. Not trying to find answers from the Bible so that you can prove your coworker wrong. Not going in there so you have something, you know, nice to say on social media. Not so that you have a life verse that, you know, that's really going to get you through it. You don't do it for those reasons. You do it because you want to know Jesus. And it's getting blown away by who he is. Since then, he, the firstborn, did all these things. Set your heart on things above. And as you do that, he begins to change you from the inside out. It's showing up and being with them. For some of us, we're, we're still exploring what, should we follow Jesus or not? And I would encourage you just to keep exploring. We have this series that starts up next week, Finding Your Way Back to God. Come check it out. Show up. And I would encourage you, don't just show up one time. Stick with it and see what God does. And if you have questions, we'd love to partner with you. We're not perfect people by any means, but we'd love to just go along the journey with you. But I encourage you, keep exploring. Keep finding out because God does love you. And he does have a life for you. His purpose and in him you can find your identity. And we'd love to help you with that. But no matter where we are in our journey with the Lord, 
It's amazing that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords cares about me and cares about you. It's amazing how he gives us the opportunity to look at our lives and he wants us knowing all that we've done, knowing all where we've been. And he still calls us and says, come, I wanna turn you from being my enemy to being part of my family. I wanna move you from death to life. I want you to not get caught up in living for those things that you know aren't worth it. And I want you to live for something that really matters. We serve an amazing God. So we're going to spend the last, time, last bit of our time just celebrating who he is. And I would encourage you, whatever God's doing in your heart, whatever Jesus is working in your heart today, just talk back to him and speak to him in your heart, in your mind. As we sing, respond to God that way. Maybe it's just you just got to be quiet and just pray and ask God. Maybe for some of us, we've never chosen to follow Christ and we want to. It's not like there's no magic trick. Jesus says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So let's look in our lives and say, God, I know the direction of my life, living my own is not what I'm made for. I know that it's caused me to be at war with you, God, and I want to join your family. I believe, Jesus, you died, that you rose again, and that you have new life for me. And it's turning our hearts to God and saying, God, I believe in you, and I want to be your child. If you need help with that, we'd love to talk to you about it. But we're all going to pray together. So the band's going to come out now. And we're going to close out this time. But I'm excited to see what God's going to do as we continue to live for him over these next years. God, just thank you for who you are. I'm thankful for your word. Thankful for his truth. Thank you, Lord, for the Christmas season, a time where we can focus in on the big steps in which you made, the ways in which you worked into our life, Lord. Lord, though you had all things and had every right to be served, you chose to enter our world and to humble yourself and become obedient to death, even death on the cross. So Lord, I pray that you help us to fix our hearts on you, to fix our attention on you. And Lord, as we do that, allow you, Lord, to change our lives. You are a great God who is worthy of every kind of praise we could ever offer. And so Lord, we have the great privilege of honoring you now, Lord. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for leading us. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to direct us and that we will follow. In your name we pray. Amen.